Well, good morning and welcome to the Mount. Whether you are joining us here at our Stafford campus, whether you happen to be down, line, down at our Fredericksburg campus or online, wherever you happen to be, we are so excited to gather with you today and spend time in scripture as we begin a new series. Before we dive into that, I do wanna take a moment and just pause and acknowledge and thank you. If you, across all of our campuses, if you are a veteran, Thank you so much. As a, as a church, as an individual, my family and I, we are so thankful for your sacrifice and all the things you do that we don't even comprehend that you do. All the time you spend away from family to have to, to secure the freedoms that we have here in America. We are so thankful for you. If you are joining us for the first time today, we are starting a new series today called Finding Time. And I have to be honest with you, every series we do, I feel like God like obviously speaks into my life and does something in me. But this series, probably more than any recently, God has really just kind of been wrecking my life. I think this series, and maybe we'll go through these three weeks and you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't really get much out of that. That's okay because I think part of this is just for me. And so maybe this is God trying to speak to me and me alone. And so you just get to listen in on what God is teaching me. But I'm excited as we dive into this series because right from the start, I think it would be safe for me to say that regardless of what campus you're at, regardless of what phase of life you're in, right, whether you're kind of a middle school, high school student, whether you're in college, whether you're, you know, a young adult, whether you're newly married, like young kids and all the chaos that comes with that, like teenage kids, empty nester, retired, wherever you happen to be, whatever phase of life you are in, it's probably safe to assume that almost every single one of us wishes we had just a little more time, right? We just, just, just a little more time. In fact, I would be willing to bet that at some point, maybe over the last 24 hours, maybe this morning getting ready for church, maybe this past week, maybe over the past month, you have thought to yourself or said out loud to someone else, I just can't find the time to get it all done. I just wish I had more time. It's interesting, if you look at the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, and it'll be one of our, our core verses as we go through this series, what we see is, is that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. And he's writing to this church in chapters four and five, he tells them how they are to live their life, how they are to walk, how they are to act, how they are to be obedient to the things that God has called them to be. And in chapter five, verse 15, he tells them this, take a look. He says, look carefully then how you what? Let's try this again, Fredericksburg, I need your help as well, everyone in the room. Look carefully then how you? Walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. That word walk, depending on the translation of scripture that you are using or reading, it might say how you walk, it might say be careful how you live or how you act. The idea here is that Paul is saying, look carefully, pay attention how you live, how you walk, how you act, the things that you do as part of your normal everyday life from getting up to going to bed at night. Be careful and pay attention to them. Why? Because he gives us a dichotomy. And it's this dichotomy that we find all throughout of scripture. It is a dichotomy that I despise. He says, because some people are unwise and other are wise. A lot of the times they use the language, the wise and the fool. 
And I don't know about you, but personally, it seems like when these verses come up, I find myself on the side of the fool more than I would like to be. And so Paul's going to say, listen, and look at verse 15 and 16 in context. He says, look carefully then how you walk or you act or what you do. You don't want to be unwise. You don't want to be a fool. You want to be wise. How do you do that? What's the distinction? The wise make the best of the what? They make the best of the time because the days are evil. Some translations say they make the most of every opportunity. The New King James Version says they redeem the time that they have been given. In essence, if you put it together, what you see is Paul is telling the church in Ephesus. After he just got done talking about how they are to live their life, what they are to do, how they are to act. And he says, we want to be wise in how you live your life. I just told you all of these things that you should be doing. And I want to help you be wise in doing those. And he says, what do wise people do? They use their time wisely. They use their time intentionally. They redeem the time that they have been given. And so here's a question just for you to think about as we begin this series. How are you using your time? How are you spending your moments, your minutes, your hours, your weeks, your days, and your months? Are you using it wisely and intentionally? Are you redeeming it in such a way that it is bringing kingdom impact in your life and those around you? I think if we were honest, for many of us, the idea of using time wisely and intentionally is so foreign to us because whether we would consciously say it or not, we believe or we feel in the back of our mind and in our soul that time is not something we have control of. Time is something that happens to us. We get busy because we don't have enough time. We get this because we don't have enough time. Time is the the Lord of our schedule. It controls things in our lives, and we have to go along with it. And the reason I know this is because so many of us, when we begin to have conversations and people ask, how are you guys doing? What's been going on? One of the things we constantly say is, I am busy. We are busy. We're busy. Again, maybe this is just me. Maybe your life is so relaxed and chill, but my life seems busy. Maybe for some of us, it feels like this. We roll out of bed each morning already exhausted from not getting enough sleep from the night before. We immediately grab our phone and notice the dozens of notifications that are already waiting on us. For those of us that have decided to follow Jesus, we desperately try to set a few moments to have some quiet time. But even in the moment of that quiet time, we are distracted by the buzzing and the beeping of the device or the list of things that we need to do for the day that is already compiling in our head, running wild. We get to work and we struggle. It just, it just continues. No matter how many things we get done or check off, the to-do list just seems to get longer, not shorter. Our days are filled with meetings, meeting one after another, Zoom call one after another. We go from thing to thing to thing that it feels like our mind never gets a chance to kind of wrestle with its thoughts. So when we finally do get a moment to sit in our office, and our desk, in our basement, wherever we happen to be, we get a moment to sit there and we begin to look at our to-do list and tackle a project. The entire time we are tackling that project in the back of our mind, we are thinking, is this really the project I need to do now or should I have done a different one? And we have anxiety over prioritizing our project and the order in which we do them. And then we leave and we endure the traffic or the walk up the stairs 
And then we shuffle the kids from sport to sport, activity to activity, or social thing that we have committed to and said yes to that we have to go to. And then we sit down, maybe we sit down and have dinner if we didn't eat it in our minivan as the drive through window, but we sit down and have dinner and the very people that we long to connect with, the people sitting across the table with us in this moment where we should be connecting, we can't concentrate and we can't connect because it's in those moments that our mind finally has the space to think about all the things it didn't think about earlier today. And so dinner's done. And it's like the rodeo begins for those of you with young kids. You have to clean the dishes. You have to put things up, put it back in the leftovers, back in the fridge, wrangle the kids, kind of figure out how you're going to do bath time when there's this many of them and there's only one bath. And you're, you're shuffling them around finally to get them into bed. And then you're able to relax. Maybe your high school student or your middle school student is doing all their homework and you're able to relax. And then you look up and immediately you think, we didn't finish the dishes. Why is that laundry that's been washed 14 times still piled over there and not folded or hung yet? How are we ever going to get this done? And then you just sit down and you think, that's enough. I can't do anymore. And so you sit down and maybe you take a moment to read part of a book, but most likely you turn on a show and begin streaming, scrolling endlessly, doom scrolling through your phone to keep you distracted. And then you check your email one last time and go to bed just to do it again tomorrow. In fact, it feels like we're running a race that's impossible to win. Like we're just running and running and running. And the finish line just keeps getting further and further and further away. It reminds me of the Red Queen from the book Alice in Wonderland when she says this, my dear, here we must run as fast as we can just to stay in place. And if you wish to go anywhere, you must run twice as fast as that. We hurry and we hurry and we hurry if we could just find a little more time. What's interesting to me is if you read the first four books of the New Testament, the, the gospels that tell the story, the life and teachings of Jesus, what you see is that these are these beautiful books and when we read them and we pay attention to what he said and what he did, what's also amazing is just like any other biography we might read, we're not just looking at what he said and what he did, but we're looking at how he did those things. We wanna know his practices, his rhythms, his routine and the things he valued and what he prioritized and what he didn't prioritize because those of us that have surrendered our life to Jesus want to emulate him. We want to imitate him and follow him. So we want to live the way that Jesus lived. And what's interesting about Jesus, for those of you that know this, is that Jesus was the physical embodiment of God. That means Jesus was God in flesh, right? The word became flesh. He, so everything that Jesus did, the way he spent his time, the way he managed his priorities, the way he set his schedule, the way he made his task, all of the things that Jesus did, if he was God in flesh, that means the way he did those things, the way he managed his time was the very same way that God would manage his time. And as people who follow Jesus, I don't know about you, but I want my life to reflect him and the Father. I want to manage time and make my priorities the way he did. And I know what you're thinking, right? Like, you're like, okay, that's great. Jesus managed his time well. Listen, Jesus didn't have any of the distractions and hurdles and busyness that we have in modern America. 
And that's true, right? Like Jesus wasn't walking around with a flip phone. Jesus didn't have a smartphone. Jesus didn't have his to-do list. He didn't have his boss giving him a sauna task or have to do Slack messages. Jesus didn't have all these things going on, right? He didn't have all the modern kind of calendar alerts and all these things that we do. But what you see about Jesus is that more than any other person in scripture, he was still incredibly busy, He was still had all of these priorities and all of these engagements and all of these tasks. And you see him very clearly in the gospels, prioritizing where and how he will spend his time. You see him dealing with constant interruptions. Like Jesus had this moment, and I've never had this happen to me. Jesus had this moment where he was teaching and people cut a hole in the roof. Like if that happened in one of our, I would lose, like, I don't know what I would do. I'd be like, I'm so distracted, guys. But Jesus just kept on going. He had people coming up to him everywhere he went, interrupting him, asking for his time, sneaking into his meals. He would go on a boat and they would chase him. He always had people vying for his attention and his time. In fact, I would argue that when you read the Gospels, what you see is that Jesus was incredibly busy, incredibly busy. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, the most common word you see, one of the most common words is the word immediately. It's used almost 45 times. And when it's describing Jesus and his disciples, it's saying they immediately did this and this and this and this. And you get this picture that they are going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. They are incredibly busy. In his book, Crazy Busy, Pastor Kevin DeYoung describes it this way. He says, if Jesus were alive today, he'd get more emails than any of us. He'd have people calling his cell phone all the time. He would get a zillion requests for interviews, television appearances, and conference gigs. He would be speaking on the circuit like nobody's business. He was incredibly busy. But here's what I find fascinating. He was so busy, but never in a way that made him seem frantic or irritable or frustrated, or envious, or jealous, or distracted. And this is important, because I think in our modern culture, modern American church culture, somehow we have equated busyness as a sin. We've said, oh, like, America's just too busy. People are just, they're just so busy and they need to stop being so busy. That's like, busyness is a sin. You shouldn't be busy. But like, Jesus was busy. Like he was busy. He wasn't sitting around doing nothing. He was going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And what we see in the life of Jesus is there's a healthy kind of busy. There's a healthy kind of busy where your time is not distracted and wasted, but it's like Paul says, it is redeemed and you're making the most of it and using it in ways that bring about kingdom change, not only in your life, but those around you. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might write this down. Jesus was busy, but never in a hurry. He was busy, but never in a hurry. I mean, think about it. Here's this guy, like when he's beginning his public ministry, for those of you that know the story, he, he, he's alive for 30 years before he decides to begin his public ministry. Like this is like 
everything his life has been pointing to. He's like, I was born for this. I'm ready to go heal and teach and preach and do this and cast out demons. I'm going to walk on water. This is going to be miracles. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe this is just a selfish person in me. But if I knew I was the son of God and God had called me to do those sort of things, at the end of 30 years, I would come busting out of my parents' house being like, I'm here to do this. Let's get this happening. Like, I would be so excited. But Jesus... He begins his ministry by going and being alone for 40 days because he was not in a hurry. There's a story where a guy named Jairus comes to Jesus and is like, hey, my daughter is sick. She's probably going to die. Can you come help her? And he's like, yeah. And I love this. He's walking, and I'll walk on stage. He's, he's on his way to help Jairus' daughter. And as he's walking through a crowd, he pauses, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, somebody touched me. And they're like, you're in a crowd. Of course somebody touched you. But he stops. Even though he was busy, he had something to do. He wasn't in a hurry. And there's an incredible story of what happens in that moment. There's a story where Jesus, his friends come to him and says, your best friend, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick and probably going to die. <laughs> Jesus waits two days. He wasn't in any hurry. Jesus took his time. He was incredibly busy, but never in a hurry. And what's crazy is as a human being, fully human, he had the same 24-hour time constraints that you and I have. He wasn't outside of time or above time. And in the midst of his busyness and his chaos, he was so intentional in how he used his time that what we see in Scripture is that Jesus might be one of the most productive people we have ever met. And so here's the question. If we are to redeem our time, if we are to use it wisely, the question should be, how did Jesus use his time? And so we're going to look at this over the next couple of weeks. And I think one of the things you're going to see today is that in the midst of his busyness, Jesus rested. And I know, like, this is the weird thing about this talk, right? It's like, oh, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. Jesus rested. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense, dude. Like, we just all agreed we're busy. We could use more time. We don't have time for the things we're supposed to do at the times we have it. Like, like now you're going to tell us we need to, to rest, to take it easy, to relax, to rest. No, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. But the issue, again, is not that we are busy. Right? But Jesus was busy. Busyness is not a sin. The issue is that in our busyness, we live in this constant state of hurry. In fact, authors who write on this would say this, that you and I as human beings, we suffer in the modern world what's called hurry sickness. We, serve, we, we suffer from hurry sickness. We will do and buy anything that promises to help us do things faster. There was a period in the last 20 years where the most popular shampoo in America was a two-in-one because people didn't have the time to use shampoo and conditioner. We were in a hurry. Like when we, like when, when we talk to people, like when we buy books, I don't know about you, if you buy an audio book or listen to a podcast, you listen to it on two speed, double speed, one. You don't have time for their slow talk. Who has time for that? I want to get three of them done in this time. I'm going to listen faster. When we talk to people, we're watching the clock and we talk fast to make the conversation go faster. I don't know about you, but I do this. Again, I said I'm going to be very honest in this series. When I'm talking to someone, if they are talking slow to me and I'm busy and in a hurry, I start nodding faster to make them talk faster. 
What is that about? We pull up to a stoplight. We're guessing which car is going to go faster. Is it the minivan or the zero to 60 and three second Tesla? Right? Like, and we're like, I'm going to pick the one that's the fastest. We believe that the faster we go, the more we can get done. We live in a culture that values productivity. Like we, we elevate these people. We put them on a platform. We, we talk about someone. We're like, oh, she is so amazing. She's like superwoman. She not only is like taking care of the kids, getting them to school. She's also going to work full time. She's coming home early. She's taking them to soccer practice and then basketball and then dance and cheer. Plus, she's still making dinner. She's still cleaning the house. And she still has time to be intimate with her husband without being tired. That girl's a superwoman. She's so awesome. Look how great she is that she gets it all done. We overcommit, right? Like we say yes and yes and yes to things, to every opportunity that comes to our schedule because we don't want FOMO. We don't want fear of missing out. We're afraid that if we don't go to that event, we won't network right for the future job. If we don't do this thing at work, we won't get that promotion. If we don't say yes to those people, they might not invite us over for dinner or to the next event again. So we say yes and yes and yes and overcommit our schedules, making us busy to where we are always hurrying from one thing to the next. For many of us, we are so in a state of hurry that we're just disorganized. We don't have the time to sit down and plan and think through our day, our week, or our month. We are literally just responding to whatever comes up in the moment. Everything is urgent and important, and we go and we go and we go. And the weird part is, is we wear this as like a, a badge of honor. I read this quote in the New York Post. Like, like we talk about burning the midnight oil, getting up late, waking up, all this stuff. The New York Post said this. It was writing an article to young millennials who were new in the workplace, and they said this. Looking busy is now a status symbol at work. It's the new badge of honor. Even if you aren't busy, look busy. Appear busy. Even if you have to pretend to be busy, because busy people get promotions. We suffer from hurry, sickness. We live in a hustle culture. Dallas Willard, a great theologian, he actually says it this way. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life. For many of us, I would say the greatest danger to our faith in modern day America is not that one day you're going to wake up and walk away from God. No, I think the greatest danger to our faith is that you will be so busy, so distracted, and so preoccupied with hurrying through life that you will settle for a mediocre, less than vision of faith in what God has for you. The enemy wins when you hurry, when you are distracted, when you are passive, and when you settle. Why? We are so in a state of hurry that we have traded information for wisdom. We settle for the quick news update skim instead of being wise. We settle for surface level instead of depth. We have traded rest on the altar of hurry. And here's what I know. 
your living a lifestyle of hurry is directly connected to the state of your soul. Hurrying souls don't find joy or rest or peace. So a question, how's your soul? Do you feel peace? Here's what I want to do with the time we have left. I want to give you just a couple practical ways that I think we can begin to live a less hurried life and maybe lean into rest just a little bit. And the first one, if you're taking notes, you might write this down. I want you to intentionally slow down. I want you to intentionally slow down. For some of you, what I'm about to say is going to feel like torture. I just want to say that up front. I want you to deliberately put yourself in a situation where you have to wait without your phone. What do I mean by that? For instance, next time you are at the grocery store, don't do what you normally do. Don't get all your groceries and go over and be like, okay, that, that clerk is way too chatty. I'm not going to her line. All right, like, let's go to self-checkout. That person's way too old. It's going to take way too long. They've got alcohol. By the time they get help, I'll be here all day. Like, and you're kind of gauging, like, which line's the fastest? Where can I go? Blah, blah, blah. What I want you to do is I want you to go to the grocery line, and I want you to find the longest line with the slowest cashier you can. <laughs> and I want you to keep your phone in your pocket. Next time you are at a stoplight, get behind the longest line of cars. Next time you're driving down the road and you're behind a car that's going the speed limit, not under the speed limit because that's psychotic, but like they're going the speed limit. Next time you're behind them, don't pass them so you can go a couple miles an hour. Stay behind them. Next time you're at the DMV, that's a day right there. <laughs> You might as well just camp out and relax and chill, right? Like, I want you to intentionally, when you are eating, challenge yourself. Like, 20 bites before I swallow. Like, some of y'all inhale food like it's nobody. You're in such a state of hurry. Slow down. I have a mentor in my life uh, when I was younger in ministry, and I, I remember sitting down with him, and I said, hey, like, you see me at church on a regular basis. What is a blind spot I need to grow in? And he thought about it, and he just said, Adam, you need to slow down. I thought he meant that conversation. I was like, what are you talking about? I only asked one question, we've got plenty of time. He said, no, 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 no. When I see you walking through the lobby, the plaza, whatever you want to call it, he said, you're literally like, hey, how are you doing? How are you guys doing? Hey, how's it going? What's going on? And you're just going from one thing to the next. He said, slow down. <laughs> I go to Target. It is so easy for me to pop in my AirPods and be like, I'm going to go get this, this, and this. And I'm not talking to a single person. I'm on a mission to do this and this and this. I am learning. And I've been practicing. Take out the AirPods. However fast I want to walk, walk half that speed. And every conversation that God brings my way, be deep into that conversation. Slow down. Why? Some of you, you are walking so fast you are missing the opportunity to change someone's life. Jesus stopped when the woman touched his cloak. If he would have been in a hurry, he would have kept on going. Slow down. Slow down. Second thing. Oh, well, I'll say this. 
you may think, if I slow down, I don't even have enough time to do the things I want to do. That's, that's true. But I want you to know, and you can research on your own, statistically, there is no correlation between hurry and productivity. You can slow down and still get everything done that you are already doing because you'll be more focused and more disciplined. Slow down. Second thing, we need to drop some things. We need to drop some things. What I don't mean is like drop your cell phone. Some of you, you do need to do that. Like it's like an extra finger growing on your hand or something. You need to drop your phone. And this is something that as I've gone through as prepping for this series, I noticed in my own life is that I, I, I was maybe too attached to my phone. And so over the last couple of weeks, I basically turned my iPhone into a dumb phone. I took off all the things, no notifications, none of the apps. It doesn't even do any of the things I want it to do. And it's incredibly frustrating. In the first four or five days, I felt like I had these nervous twitches trying to reach for it all the time to check things. But you know what? <laughs> now I'm parenting my phone. I put it to bed at 7 or 8 p.m. every night, and I don't, read, I don't touch it until the morning. It's the easiest bedtime I've ever had in my life. Some of you, you will not find rest if you are living in a constant state of noise. What I mean, though, when I say drop things, is that we have this ability as human beings to love to say yes. Right? Like, we're juggling all these balls. We've got all these plates spinning. And someone's like, do you want to do this? Yeah, sure. Why not? You want to do this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I can do that project. I can write that brief. I can do that. And we say yes to all these things. And I don't know if you know this, but let me just give you a little insight. The answer to your busyness is you. You are the one who keeps saying yes. You are the one who keeps overloading your schedule. You are the one who keeps saying yes to everything that comes up into your life, causing you to be in such a state of hurry. So maybe what you need to do instead of trying to juggle everything is let some things drop and say the word no. And so here's what I want to do. Because I know for some of you, you have never said that word in your life. So we're going to practice. I'm going to count to three, all of our campuses. And you are going to say the word no out loud. Ready? One, two, three. No. You made it. You're okay. Like you didn't die. And I know what you might be thinking, like Adam, like that doesn't make any sense. Like look at the life of Jesus. You said there's a sermon series on building on how Jesus lived his life. Jesus helped everyone. Jesus stopped when the woman touched him. Yes, he did those things. But at the very same time, Jesus over and over in scripture told people no. Let me give you an example of this. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is essentially beginning his first day of public ministry after his 40-day fast. And this day of public ministry was incredibly, incredibly busy. Jesus did a lot. He woke up early. You know, he went and he preached. He went and he taught. He healed people. He cast out demons. He had this full day of doing this, 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 this. I mean, his schedule was packed of all the things he did that day. And you would think that he would take a nap. At the end of the day, he would go to bed. And the next day, if I was him, like I do on Sunday afternoons or Monday mornings, maybe sleep in a little bit, maybe go for a run, play a round of golf, just relax. Because he had a very busy day. He deserved this moment of rest. But what did Jesus do? The next day, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the middle of his busyness, he did not veg out. He did not sit there and do nothing. And here's the paradox we see in the life of Jesus. The answer to hurry is not eliminating busyness, 
but it's doing certain practices and disciplines in the midst of your busyness. And so Jesus gets up and he goes off to spend some time alone and pray. And look what happens when the disciples come looking for him. Verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed. They said, everyone is looking for you. In essence, Jesus woke up and he went off by himself. The disciples wake up, they look around, they say, man, where's Jesus at? Everyone wants him to come back. So they go and find him and they're like, hey, Jesus, come here. Everybody wants you to come do exactly what you did yesterday. Come heal some more people. Come save some more people. Come cast out demons. Come do the miracles. Come teach. Jesus, everyone wants you to come do this incredible stuff that you did yesterday. Look what Jesus says to them. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there, for that is why I have come. In essence, they say, Jesus, come back to these people. Come do this. They really want you to do this. And he says, no, I'm going somewhere else. Say no. Drop some balls. It's better for your soul. You don't have to do everything. Create some margin in your hustle and hurry of life. Third, we need to practice silence and solitude. We need to practice silence and solitude. The number of times that the gospel mentions Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place is like a, it's like a staggering amount of times. What we see is over and over again, even though he was incredibly busy, he had all of these things going on, all of these hundreds of things to do and no time to do them all. He consistently found time to withdraw and go be in silence and solitude. Why? Because the chaos and noise of this world can make you deaf to the voice of God. And I don't know if you know that. In fact, it says it this way in Psalms. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no what? There is no room for God. This verse has been wrecking me lately. In essence, what it's saying is, and I, I felt this in my life recently. There's so many voices, whether it's books or podcasts or news or shows or people coming into your mind that there's no room for God. And maybe, maybe you just need some silence. So what I've been doing the last couple weeks, I've, been, I've, I've always woken up before the kids, and so I've gotten up, and normally I would go in my study at home, and maybe I would grab, like, grab my laptop and look at some things and spend a little time in Scripture, maybe catch up on some news or I don't know, watch an episode of The Office before anyone woke up. I would do something in my, in my office, right? And so what I've been doing lately, though, is, and this is going to sound weird to you, I go in my study. I don't have the laptop. I don't have my phone because I put it to bed already, right? And I go in there, and I just look out the window in silence. And I don't do anything. I don't read. I don't talk. Just silent. And as your pastor, I, wanna, I want you to hear this. I am hearing the voice of God more now than I ever have. Because I... Because I am making space 
for him. C.S. Lewis says that we live in a kingdom of noise. And it's always louder than God's whisper. You need to practice silence and solitude. For some of you, you are so engaged with your thumbs that you are never engaged with your thoughts. Put the phone down. For some of you, you are afraid of what you will hear in the silence. Because a lot of times in the silence, we hear conviction. And let me just say, lean in. You don't know what God's going to do. Lean in. Lastly, I want you to establish rhythm for resting. Establish a rhythm for resting. I don't know if you know this, but every elite athlete, regardless of the sport, there's like a rhythm to how they do things. Right? Like they're, they're not all like go, 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 go forever because like they just can't. So what they do is they go, 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 and then rest and recover hard. Go, 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 rest and recover hard to prevent burnout. Because what they will tell you in the elite athlete world is it's not the going too hard that causes burnout. It's the lack of recovery and rest that causes burnout in your life. In fact, what we see in the life of Jesus is Jesus went hard. He went and he went and he went but he rested and recovered in a rhythm. We see this in music. I'm not a music person, but if you listen to music, if you're a drummer and you just drum, 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 drum all the time, you're just making noise. But the way music works is you drum and you rest and you drum and you rest. It takes the rest to make it beautiful. And what's interesting is we look at the American culture and there have been moments where we've seen this. I found this quote and this is from 1849. The Immigrant's Guide to California for people who were transferring, they were migrating over there. And they said this to all the people who were kind of taking the long road. They said, if you rest one day out of seven, guess what? You will get to California 20 days, other, or 20 days faster than those who don't rest at all. It's as if God knew something in the second chapter of Genesis. Listen to this. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, what did he do? And then God blessed that seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he had done. You and I are made in the image of God. God rested. He had a rhythm. You are made in his image. You need a rhythm. You need to rest. If God needed it, you do too. You're not more, oh, I can do this. You got to rest. And here's what I love about this. Rest is an act of worship. That doesn't make sense. Rest feels like I'm doing nothing. Right. Because here's, in our mind, we think, I've got all these things to do. I need to do this and this and this and this, and I'm the only one that can do these things, so therefore I'm important. So people need me, and they want me, and I accomplish things, and I have to do this. But when we rest, we are literally looking at our to-do list and saying, God, you're bigger than that, and you'll take care of those, and you're in charge. It is us acknowledging God is bigger than our hurry. We rest. There's this interesting moment in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus sees his followers and they're tired and they're busy. And look at this, I wanted you to read this. This is Mark chapter 6. 
It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So they had gone out and they're like, hey, here's all the cool things we did for you, God. We healed, we did this, oh, we did this, this. And they were sharing all the things that they did, right? And I love this. Look at verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. So they literally come to Jesus, and I love this. Like, you love the disciples. They are bragging. They're like, God, like Jesus, man, we've been so busy serving you. We've been doing this and this and this. We have been hustling and hurrying so much, we didn't even have time to eat. Jesus does not ask them what they did. He does not care. Look what he says to them. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and rest. In other words, you can be the most productive person in the world and get everything done in the name of Jesus. But if you are not resting, you are not living in the way that God wants you to live. He says, rest. You are made in my image. And so today we're going to close a little differently at all of our campuses. We want to give you a moment to be quiet and rest. And I don't know about you, but it seems like we all can have these lives that are like up and to the right on the outside. Everything's good, it's great, we're succeeding, we're doing this. But inside we feel empty and alone and it's not sustainable and we know something's gotta give. I have conversations with people all the time, whether they're you know, business executives, military officers, enlisted, or stay-at-home moms, or high school students, whatever the conversation. And one of the recurring things I hear, and they don't use this language, but this recurring thing of like, Adam, the check engine light in my life is on right now. And I'm exhausted. And I'm tired. And I'm worn out. My spouse and I aren't connecting. I'm not doing well in this, this, or this, and I'm just done. How's your soul? Maybe the warning light of your soul is on right now. I just want to read some scripture over you. Would you just close your eyes for a second? Psalm 4610. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Matthew 11, verse 28. The words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. In so many areas of our lives, we have to measure up to gain approval of others by performing but not with Jesus. He loves you despite your productivity. He loves you for who you are. The solution to your hurry is not some clever strategy where you can make a great to-do list. It is to understand that the world will tell you if you do X, Y, and Z, you will find peace but in Ephesians, Jesus says, 
I am your peace before you do X, Y, and Z. So I just want to give you a moment to be still, to be quiet, and rest.